Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The state's vaccination mandate for healthcare workers in hospitals and clinics starts today. The order covers physicians, nurses, and medical technicians, as well as support staff in medical facilities, like janitors and food service workers. The news website CalMatters reports some of California's largest healthcare providers, like Kaiser Permanente and Dignity Health, have seen wide compliance with many reporting a 90% vaccination rate among employees. There also appears to be relatively few requests for vaccination exemptions based on religious beliefs or health issues. California announced the vaccination mandate for healthcare workers in early August, becoming the first state in the nation to do so. With so much social media inundated with vaccine misinformation, YouTube has announced it's cracking down on it again. With more, here's KQED's Rachel Myro. According to a company blog post, the Google-owned social media platform is expanding its existing COVID-19 vaccine misinformation ban. YouTube now says it will ban prominent anti-vaccine accounts and remove videos claiming approved vaccines cause health problems like autism or infertility, but personal testimonies relating to vaccines will be allowed to remain on the site so long as the video doesn't violate other community guidelines. Quote, we will continue to invest across the board in the policies and products that bring high-quality information to our viewers, the blog post said. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. Yesterday, L.A. City Council was supposed to vote on a sweeping municipal ordinance that would require people to show proof of full COVID-19 vaccination before entering many indoor public spaces. But the council had to delay action after one council member withheld his vote. The council will have to wait another week for another vote. KCRW's Benjamin Gottlieb has the details. The majority of the L.A. City Council expressed support for the ordinance that would require businesses like barbershops, gyms, nail salons, and restaurants to enforce vaccine requirements for employees and patrons. L.A. City Council member Paul Krikorian is among them, and he likened this motion to smoking. Anyone can do it, he says, but there are limits because it affects others. You don't have the freedom to smoke in an elevator or in an airplane or in other confined spaces where your exercise of your freedom is going to put other people's health and lives at risk. But his colleague, Councilmember Joe Buscaino, declined to vote on the motion, saying that while he supports the idea, he remains concerned about enforcement. Making a teenager who, with no formal training, serve as a bouncer uh, to keep people in or out of a restaurant and then finding the business for their failure is not 
the way to go about it. Now, when asked about how LA would enforce the mandate, the city attorney's office said LA's Department of Building and Safety would be in charge, even though it doesn't have adequate staffing. For the California Reports, I'm Benjamin Gottlieb in Los Angeles. In San Francisco, police officers are supposed to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 by October 13th. But according to internal emails obtained by the San Francisco Chronicle and San Francisco Examiner, 267 cops in the city remain unvaccinated, along with 46 police staffers. In response, Police Chief Bill Scott is reorganizing assignments to make sure the SFPD can keep providing essential safety services. Part of that reorganization would involve transferring more personnel from support duties to patrol. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Turning to other news, Governor Gavin Newsom signed a series of bills yesterday to combat the state's homelessness crisis. One big goal is to create more accountability for the billions of dollars the state plans on spending to try to end homelessness. Newsom says starting immediately, local governments must commit to specific goals in order to receive certain state funding. We have a unique responsibility because nothing like the homeless crisis exists anywhere else in the United States like it exists and persists here in the state of California. So we have to do more and we have to do better. The state recently earmarked $22 billion to house and treat people experiencing homelessness. That money is supposed to fund the creation of 84,000 new affordable housing units and 22,000 treatment beds for people transitioning out of homelessness who have physical and behavioral health needs. And let's turn to fires. As part of our continuing investigation, Dangerous Air, KCRW's Kaylee Wells found out how some Californians are coping with the smoke created by wildfires and why the smoke hits some parts of the state harder than others. Open it up. Adrienne Vincent is opening an air purifier in her home. If this gets the smaller parts, the smallest of particles. This is for uh, carbon. She's been selling them for 25 years, and she's gotten a lot more business lately. September, the start of wildfire season in Southern California, has become a big month for her. Because that's when people line up to get machines because they can't breathe. Arlene Fleck has started to see that change at her home in Irvine. We found the number of smoke days has tripled to 30 days every year. She says when it gets bad, she has a hard time breathing and gets headaches. It's gotten to the point where we have fires so much that even like when we have fog, I'm like, okay, is that smoke now or is that fog? Last year, Fleck evacuated her home not because of wildfire, but because of the smoke that seeped through the walls of her home. The smoke in Irvine was pretty typical for Southern California. In L.A., the average days of smoke per year jumped from 9 to 32. 
The smoke was especially incessant in Malibu and Brentwood, home to some of the most destructive fires here, and Castaic, which is a rural community surrounded by dry brush. Health experts say that jump to a month of smoke every year can damage everything, including your lungs and your heart. NPR's California Newsroom found in 2018 there were 30,000 more hospitalizations for cardiac and respiratory issues statewide than just two years before. If the smoke in Southern California sounds bad, our analysis found it gets even more persistent as you head north. Fleck had to shoot a movie in Stockton recently, and she said the ash falling from the sky was great ambiance for her horror film, but not great for breathing. It was uh, pretty rough while I was up there, and I felt so bad for them. I'm like, how do they do this all the time? Like for us, you know, we have them, but it's nowhere like it has been up there. We found people in Stockton breathe wildfire smoke for 60 days every year on average. Go even farther north, and some communities are exposed to smoke for 90 days. So why isn't Southern California getting quite as much smoke? UCLA environmental science professor Michael Jarrett has part of the answer. The fuel load is much greater in Northern California because of the type of vegetation they have. In other words, the fires here usually burn fast through dry grasslands and shrubs. Northern California has big, tall trees that burn a lot longer, releasing more smoke for each acre burned. So when those large trees start to burn, they put off more emissions. And although we do get very severe wildfires in Southern California, the fuel load, if you think about it on a per acre basis, is much less. Oftentimes it's less than a tenth of what you would see if you're up in a very large uh, forest with a lot of uh, conifers. Plus, much of Southern California includes desert and urban sprawl, so there's not nearly as many flammable acres as up north. So even if Chaparral is notorious for burning fast and threatening homes, there is an upside. It creates a lot less smoke than the redwoods and pine forests up north. And the result is that here in L.A., we're only breathing smoke one month out of the year. For the California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles. Support for the California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. Paint Care. Now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And that is the California Report for Thursday, September 30th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!